Arbitration is facing a lot of changes because of the impact of COVID-19. But there is a very special relationship between arbitration and MSMEs. To understand more about this, stay tuned because that is what we learned today. Hello everyone, welcome to the One Take Show. My name is Kausup Shivastav, I'm your host. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today we are in conversation with Mr. Tariq Khan. Sir is a principal associate working with Advani and Company. In this episode, Sir will talk about his journey through law school. What all activities did he engage with? How did he overcome his fear of public speaking? In the later part of the conversation, we will talk about arbitration and MSMEs and an interesting relationship that both these concepts share. If you have any suggestions, feedbacks, make sure you reach out to me. If you like this episode, make sure you like, share and follow the podcast. Hence, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's jump right into the conversation with Mr. Tariq Khan right here on The One Take Show. Hello, sir. Welcome to the One Take Show. I am so happy and so glad to have this opportunity to talk to you. I still remember that it was my first year in our university and uh, we were trying to find all the, uh, the kind of guidance and the inspiration that every law student uh, looks for and we keep on looking. And then from my first year to my third year, there has been one name that we have heard uh, in the circuit and the one name that we all look up to, especially in dispute resolution that we want to reach out to. And uh, I did the same. I texted you on uh, on LinkedIn for an opportunity. It was you, sir. And you have always inspired us through your posts, through your articles, through your book and through the various achievements that you have received. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really grateful that I have this opportunity to talk to you today. I'm, I'm really optimistic that we're going to have a very fruitful session that is going to add a lot of value, not just to my podcast, but to all the listeners who will be listening to this session. So thank you so much for taking time out for today, sir. Thank you, Gostav. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Right, sir. So before we talk about the, uh, the substantial part of our conversation that we have decided today, which is a very interesting conversation, and will uh, definitely open up a lot of perspectives for all our listeners. I would first like to know about your very interesting journey. Uh, we've all read your interviews, but I would like you to tell it to our, uh, to our listeners because I think I will not be able to do justice to it. Your story is extremely inspiring. Uh, how has your journey been through law school? Uh, any standout experiences? Everything, sir. <clears throat> well, uh, my law school journey was pretty interesting and um... I mean, I've never ever in a video interview discussed my law school journey. I've only given interviews rightly said by you. Uh, so I'll briefly take you through my uh, law school and just not take much time. So when I, I, I mean, I never wanted to be a lawyer. I had various issues. Uh, I was not comfortable with, I had like poor communication skills. I was not very comfortable with English language and I had stage fright and I was not fond of reading at all. These were the reasons essentially why I did not want to pursue law as a career. However, since I could not clear the engineering exams, I had to consider law as an option. And I remember the first day of the orientation when I was sitting in the class of 70 individuals in Jamia Millia Islamia. Uh, there was a lecturer who was teaching us contract law. 
and i did not know anything about the subject because nobody in my family is from law background so i saw this gentleman teaching from a very thick book that was rk bankia law of contract and i was under an impression that this book is going to go on for 5 years and then there was another book law of torts i thought that these two three subjects contract torts this is all about law and for 5 years they'll be teaching us these books because they are too thick but i didn't realize that uh, these were the books which were only there for the semester or for the first year and uh, i was extremely surprised plus i used to be a back bencher i never had the courage to stand up in the class and speak up because like i told you i had some issues with the community and i was extremely underconfident so i was never an active student in the class in the first semester i remember in the first year my grades were really bad out of 9 sgpa semi grade point average i scored around 5.83 in the first year which was a very bad score but one good thing we did was uh, that i decided to take part in mooting because there was not much mooting culture in our college at that point of time and uh, we participated and it i mean as a it came as a surprise because a lot of people discouraged us they told us you are a first year student and you would not know anything about law how are you planning to do a moot court you'll be embarrassed and the day when we we tried to back out quite a lot of times but our seniors kept insisting no no you can't back out now the organizers because they wanted more teams and uh, they wanted us to be there so eventually we participated and surprisingly we won that moot court it was an intra moot and that is when we realized that uh, once you try doing something i mean that was the day i think uh, when i lost uh, you know my under confidence and i started uh, believing in myself again and i thought that it doesn't matter if you speak uh, very fluently in english or not as long as you know the law that's all that matters so uh, going forward i realized that uh, apart from these things uh, i need to work on my cv and i was under an impression that look whether you have contacts or not it doesn't matter whether you're a first generation lawyer or you know somebody so it's not just who you know it's what you know that gets you ahead in the profession and with that mindset i started applying in the law firms and many law firms kept rejecting of course the standard response which i'm sure even you all must have received is that uh, currently we do not have uh, availability your slots are not available we'll keep your cv in our database and we'll get back to you in case of a suitable opportunity so i am now i mean i'm very well acquainted with this language because i received like thousands such emails and uh, many times law firms did not even respond so the reason might have been that if you don't if not from a top tier uh, law college then you don't perhaps get those internships and all that you want and uh, i mean um, i mean i think it's justified also it's fine i mean if they think that the top law colleges would have better products though i strongly disagree i feel that uh, it doesn't matter which college you are from it completely depends on an individual how how an individual wants to work and whether he is able to he or she is able to prove his or her mettle and as long as you are willing to give your blood sweat sweat and tears to the profession to to the subject then i don't think there's anything stopping you so i did my interviews my uh, internships i did my i became active in the college i became the president of debating society organized various events did a lot of moots uh, participated in oxford prize media which was i think one of the most prestigious moot court and i think we were the uh, 12th best team and i was the seventh best speaker so you know it was a very interesting journey so i did quite a lot of moot courts and i think co curricular activities are very important for law students so uh, in nutshell i think that idea should be cv building 
and it doesn't matter you know do not have to be negative about anything that i don't know this person i don't know that person now you see jamia was not even recognized as a very good law law school that time but now you see the products from our college we have mr bharat chok who's my senior and he's uh, i think he's very well renowned and so i mean you know you have good products so now we don't have to tell okay there's a college in jamia which there's a faculty law faculty earlier when you used to tell them oh i'm from faculty of law so they were like oh do you i used to say no no, no jamia milia islam like jamia has law so we we had to explain and give details i still remember when uh, i was organizing a parliamentary debate in my final year and then a lot of uh, du colleges were coming so they used to call me and they used to say where is this place jamia where is this faculty of law so i had to explain them so it was pretty surprising that many people did not i don't know if they didn't know actually or they were just pretending not to know so when they came for the event we had t-shirts printed for them we have never heard of you either so that was uh, the response that we gave anyway so that was all about my college journey yeah. right sir um i think that that is a very interesting take uh, especially with the t-shirt part although now obviously yeah. jamia has grown into a, a multidisciplinary activities that now happen in the law school itself like i have a lot of friends in jamia who are studying currently we've had model united nations we have parliamentary debates now we have moots and we all participate in those competitions but there are two things uh, from this segment that i have taken up one is particularly how you have very consciously worked and change the tide as in you have consciously filled in the areas that you thought were not uh, were not your strongest points and now you have made them your strongest points and how you yourself were a first generation lawyer and you have carved your niche in the industry today uh, to that extent so i th- i believe it is mandatory for me to ask you this question because i also am a first generation lawyer and uh, so are a lot of my listeners uh, of this podcast as well so uh, if any fresh aspirant uh, during the times that are now changing at such fast pace are entering the industry after law school would you have any suggestions as far as how should we navigate our way through law school or uh, or maybe after law school in the industry or pick up a specialization or something of that sort like how should we navigate our way uh, if do you have any opinion on the same <clears throat> frankly um, i think most of that it completely depends on what the student wants to do there may be students that uh, who may be interested in corporate there may be students who may be interested in pursuing corporate uh, criminal litigation somebody might be interested in going for civil services somebody would want to be a social worker somebody would want to work with a company as a legal advisor so it completely depends what you are looking at however i think i'll give you the basic tips which i think are relevant and are required in all of these fields so first and foremost to all the law students my request is at the outset just get rid of all the negativity in your life the only issue that we face is a we are confused okay it's a good sign it's a very nice thing if you are confused in your final year it's a positive sign do not worry if you are thinking oh my god what's going to happen next whether i'll be able to make a mark in the profession etc etc okay to some extent i think it's important you are serious you are career oriented and nobody knows until you actually pass out from your college you do not know where life will take you but few uh, takeaways i'd like to give one is that there is no substitute of hard work so as long as you're willing to work day and night like 28 hours a day and you know 10 days a week as long as you're giving willing to put that much of effort in the profession in the initial years i don't think there's anything stopping you in whatever career you choose 
secondly i feel that uh, focus should be initially on learning rather than earning so a lot of people get swayed with the you know fat salaries being offered by some entities so see where you are learning in the initial years look for a good senior rather than looking for a good high paying salary of course you have that feeling oh my god this person is earning that much and i'm not getting that much amount of money so at times it gets frustrating for a lot of people but believe me in the longer run you will be rewarded in the manner you have not even imagined especially if you go for litigation because i personally feel that litigation is uh, something which i mean will uh, give back to you in the best possible manner and uh, you will get rewards that you never thought of so yeah i think that's one thing the other thing i would like to tell you is that you need to as a law student or if you are in your final year internships of course are very important because that's your chance to prove your mettle if you are interning in a law firm so suppose if you are interested in dispute resolution or if you are interested in criminal law so whichever office you choose you should know that look this is the office which is dealing with criminal law or this is the office which is dealing with arbitration so uh, getting an internship is comparatively easier you apply nicely with a good cv do not make blunders do not do anything stupid because a lot of people just casually apply and their cvs get rejected and apply at least one year in advance and keep following up politely you know you can call the office and you can you know request them and i, I don't think there's any firm uh, exceptions are always there of course but there are too many law firms too many offices which are now giving internship programs and uh, as so, as soon as you realize that okay i have a decent cv i have interned at various places so the moment you graduate your first chance should be getting in touch with your associates your uh, senior associates or perhaps your partner of that law firm because if you are interning somewhere for a month if you are actually good and if you have actually made a mark there they would be more than happy to keep you so initially the idea is to get in somewhere where you can learn please do not prioritize money initially think about learning aspect because once you know the law little bit and you know the basics are quite clear then there are so many avenues open for you and as long as you're willing to work hard in my view there's nothing stopping you because there's no substitute for hard work though luck and destiny of course plays an important role but hard work i have not seen anybody working hard and his or her hard work going waste so that is one thing and uh, you can attend conferences uh, if there is an if you are interested in dispute resolution you must attend all those webinars that you see on a daily basis now everybody is fed up of webinars but there's too much of content on arbitration there's too much of content on dispute resolution there are so many conferences happening day and night so start attending that this way you will get an opportunity to interact with those people whom you send emails and who don't respond to you so you might approach them directly or perhaps in court you can get in touch with somebody and directly go up to them and request them or you know just tell them i mean it doesn't matter whether they reject or not i mean that's what i used to do so i think that's always better and linkedin of course is a very good platform cost of approach me there and i was more than happy to be a part of this uh podcast and i'm glad because this is the first time i think i'm speaking i'm giving any lecture at 12 the midnight so yeah it's pretty interesting that way right sir um to uh, to clarify i think it's it's absolutely my honor to have this conversation with you i i've been wanting to have this conversation with you for a very very long time and uh, primarily because i've, I've, I've uh, we've read your interviews we've read all your stories you talk about how hard work always pays off uh, this brings me to one of the very interesting uh, uh, interesting achievement of yours which 
i believe is uh, should be discussed and uh, and uh, and a lot of our listeners a lot of aspirants can actually benefit out of it it's your book on the rise and uh, my question to you is essentially that this book which has received such a brilliant response was featured in fortune 500 magazine uh, gives out the kind of uh, direction and guidance that people might need what was your experience with the authorship and uh, when it comes to uh, writing a book what was your principle that you attached to the book and the outcome that came with the book so how was this entire journey of yours so uh, like i told you my college life was not i was always deprived of the basic legal career guidance and that's when i felt that there is no dearth of opportunities and it's only the uh, lack of information which is not available to the law students especially the first generation lawyers and lawyers uh, students law students who are not from top law schools you know they don't have mentors they don't have anybody to guide them they don't have alumni a strong base so nobody is there to guide these people so i felt that maybe it's the you know trickling down of the information which is lacking so i think i need to put them a platform give them a platform wherein they can you know these excuses and these hurdles will not stay so i decided to give sorry i decided to give these people uh 20 mentors i think 20 or 25 i have got it's been long so i decided that from all walks of life i will pick the best set of people that i can think of or based on the opinion of my friends so for instance because a law student when he's in his fourth year or fifth year he's confused okay i want to go for judiciary now whom to ask whether judiciary what how judiciary is like how to prepare for an exam so in judiciary i took the dgs topper who was my senior mr bharachot so i took his story because i found it pretty interesting similarly i took a few people who are who are the aor topper there was one person who became a district judge there was one person who joined judiciary then joined ips there was one person from ngo social work then there was there were two people who were doing uh, who were working as foreign lawyers with law firms abroad so i mean i took a mix of everything general counsels judges litigating lawyers senior advocate the idea was to give them a platform that look this is the best person if you are interested in corporate so i am giving you the best person his story and his piece of advice to you so one book which is a one stop platform for all of you to find out and to decide or to get some guidance to ascertain as to what career choices would be good for you so that because you know a lot of us are not extroverts we are pretty shy in our approach uh, many people would not even come up to you or to me to ask okay sir can you tell me because they feel shy and they feel that you know i don't have a mentor i don't know how to go ahead so at least with a book this excuse would not work they cannot say that look i had a lack of information so i just wanted to bring uh, some kind of literature for these people and when i started working on this book initially there was a lot of uh, a lot of people said no they said we will not be because nobody knew who i was and that's when i felt that uh, okay now that uh, i'm trying to I, i always believe that ideas come to your mind like drafts and once you start working on them they start taking shapes and then you start seeing it it's happening so idea is that you should always believe in yourself and you should implement the idea that you have in mind you should start make things happen in short and that's what i did and fortunately i was able to get forwards by dr abhishek manu singhi and mr peter damram the book had two forwards and i had book reviews from justice sikri mr falias nariman mr arvind datar etc etc so it, it turned out to be a great uh, success and i was very happy that it did help some students 
Well, I'm sure, sir. I think the entire principle of uh, of you even considering the fact that there are students out there who have not received the kind of mentorship that they need, because uh, I, to some extent, also can understand that because I come from a second year law student uh, law school that is in National Law University, Lucknow. But we do have a strong alumni base. I won't deny that. But there are times when we compete with law schools like NLSIU, Bangalore, or uh, Nalsar. We obviously feel that yes, maybe there is something that we might lack. Uh, so at such points, I think all of my listeners can really benefit from a book like that, and I would really suggest that everyone reads this. I personally will read it again, and I would abso- I have absolutely loved it. Uh, this brings me, uh, sir, now to a very important section of our conversation: uh, the the legal substantial discussion. And this is uh, the reason why I bring this up is because uh, you've talked about this in the past as well, and uh, this is an up and coming legal issue. Uh, it is uh, my request you is please explain to us how exactly arbitration uh, essentially when we talk about uh, the arbitration under the msmes act msmed uh, msmed act and how does arbitration function because you would have the first hand experience with the same and uh, we would like to learn about it from you <clears throat> okay uh, that's an interesting question because i think msme is now an upcoming field and it's a very good option for a lot of youngsters because uh, i don't think there are many people who are doing msme matters and recently there has been uh, it has become quite popular so msme arbitration basically it's a special legislation under which arbitrations are being conducted under the act there is a provision section 183 under which there is a conciliation body which is formed and that's a statutory body so initially for uh, you have to be a supplier under the act and you need to be either a micro or a small enterprise that is registered as a supplier once you are registered with the entity then you can apply for getting your disputes resolved under the act under section 80 now the next step is that when you file your claims before the conciliation body so initially the conciliation takes place and the time period for finishing this conciliation is 90 days the moment this period of 90 days gets over and assuming that the dispute does not get resolved between the buyer and the supplier in that case the dispute is then referred to an arbitration center like in delhi they have delhi international arbitration center they refer the dispute to diac and the arbitrator then takes up the matter under the arbitration act the only interesting component and in the benefit of the msme arbitration is that the claimant will get three times the bank rate interest compoundable so imagine the amount of interest which is payable on these payments and the next interesting feature about msme arbitrations is that if you are challenging any order passed by the msme or in an msme arbitration then you need to deposit the 75% of that amount in the court so i think these are the two very interesting and uh, these are welfare legislation so it does help the suppliers because they, these msme entities they run a risk of going uh, becoming sick industries and therefore i think recently there have been certain amendments uh, very recently the definition of the micro or small medium enterprise has now been changed because earlier it used to be on the basis of the investment in the machinery as per section 7 that how much an entity has invested in the in its machinery as per the balance sheets they used to see but now i think they are going to include the turnover of the company as the criteria for terming is as micro small or medium enterprise 
Right, sir. Because this, uh, as you have mentioned, the amendments have uh, changed the way, and it has brought uh, the MSMEs entire issue into light. We have also seen the governments taking proactive measures with respect to insolvency bankruptcy code in order to protect the uh, interests of MSMEs with the suspension of uh, these sections and these developments. I believe uh, your insight into uh, how arbitration and dispute resolution under the MSMEs Act is very useful for all the listeners. This brings me to a second, a rather broader uh, question, which I believe also should be covered, uh, is that COVID nineteen, the pandemic, is having a huge impact on dispute resolution as an industry, as a field. The practical aspects of the same are changing at a very fast pace, uh, and the fresh aspirants, because that is the uh, the major uh, section of the of the profession that is not really uh, comfortable or accustomed to these changes. How is the profession adapting to it? How are the practical aspects adapting to it? What are those changes in the sections in the regulation rules uh, that are required potentially, in your opinion, that should be utilized in this section? So basically, how is COVID nineteen impacting arbitration or dispute resolution, essentially, in your opinion? So the major problem as a person who is doing arbitrations, I feel that because the timelines have been affected majorly, there were a lot of pending uh, drafting that I had to do. There were too many deadlines that I had to meet, but because of the lockdown, we couldn't go to our office, and you know, because of this reason, we could not file the statement of claim, statement of defense in certain matters. Readings could not be completed. Hearing did not take place. Uh, evidence was fixed. Uh, it unnecessarily delayed all the arbitrations. See, nobody was prepared for such an unprecedented time, and uh, we were not equipped virtually. And now everything is happening. Happening by uh, virtual hearings are happening. Video conferencing is the way forward. So I feel that uh, because of the COVID, we are in a position where we did not imagine we'll be so soon. And due to which I think now we need to be more equipped virtually. We need to have better infrastructure. What for for virtual hearings? We need to have, uh, you know, we need to adapt to technology. Even the courts must adapt all of that. But I think uh, one thing we must keep in mind is that when we are uh, drafting arbitration clauses, I'll begin from there. we need to incorporate in that arbitration clause that virtual hearings will be recognized and will be acceptable as a fair hearing in the arbitration the reason why i say so is because in a lot of jurisdictions later on parties will say and you know virtual hearings are not recognized as a formal method of conducting fair hearings thereby violation of fundamental uh, you know uh, rule of fair hearing policy, uh, you know uh, principles of natural justice such objections can come up in future so to avoid all of that hassle the idea is that in your arbitration clause now you must agree that yes virtual hearings will be acceptable and both parties agree that that would be the way forward additionally i i think the other issue that has happened is that some of the arbitrations you see are very very voluminous where files are running into 10 volumes 12 volumes thousands of pages involved and especially during a cross examination the problem is that you need to at a time refer to various uh, documents and you need to assist your junior or i mean you you are assisted by your junior or you can assist your senior so you need somebody to be there to show you those documents especially the cross examiner will face some difficulty because he cannot see the expressions uh, the way he can in person the gestures of the witness so i think in that fashion there may be some disadvantage at times however i feel that arbitration has evolved from time to time and we must remain positive we must take this as a very positive step 
and we must say that you know we must think that this is a development and it is a pro arbitration stance that virtual hearings are in fact making it more convenient if you look at the on the flip side if you see that you know people do not have to travel now from one place to another arbitrators used to fly from london to delhi singapore to delhi delhi to singapore and you know parties coming from mumbai kolkata russia now all of that can happen very conveniently at the comfort of your home or your office so in a way i think this will save a lot of time uh, i mean this is the uh, positive side of uh, the virtual hearings and as soon as we adapt to this like we adapted uh, the e filing initially there were filings only by hard copy but you know initially people used to find it very tough how e filing will be the norm but then we got used to it so we'll get we'll get used to it and i don't think this will take long we'll just adapt to this new normal and i think we should take it as a wherever possible we should conduct hearing by virtual means and wherever it is not possible we may then wait and see as and when the vaccine comes and as and when the covid uh, you know says goodbye right sir uh, that's one thing i do necessarily hope for <laughs> that we do come up with a vaccine but i believe uh, the latest insights the practical aspects of how the dispute resolution or arbitration is now being affected by covid-19 has been beautifully described by you i think the entire industry now is facing an overhaul and digital uh, phase has entered the market I, we have already seen a, a lot of uh, changes especially in the courts and in the arbitration So I'm really, really grateful. Thank you so much, sir, for telling us about all these practical aspects of uh, the industry about the changes. I'm really grateful that I could have this opportunity to talk to you. Uh, do you have any uh, closing remarks for our listeners? I I think the only thing, if most of your uh, listeners would be law students, then I'll just tell them what uh, one of the greatest Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court, Justice John Roberts, said. So he visited his son. Uh, on his farewell and many people were keen on hearing him what he's going to say so he said that uh, dear friends i hope that in times to come from time to time you are treated unfairly so that you know the value of justice i hope you experience enough pain so that you learn compassion i hope you are ignored from time to time so that you value your friends and whether i wish these things or not these things are going to happen and whether you are able to make the most of it or you know benefit from it would depend on your ability to see your message in your misfortune so misfortunes also come with a positive message the idea is to have that ability to see the positive message in your misfortune so yeah be positive always and stay productive and never give up that's my only uh, suggestion which i'll give to all my friends yeah well uh, thank you so much i think we all will hold that uh, creed up to uh, to the uh, to the pedestal that it needs to be held up to and live up to the expectations and somehow try and keep working hard thank you so much sir for taking time out for today i had a wonderful time talking to you i hope you had a good time too thank you gostav it was actually a pleasure and especially one in the night 1 am i think it's already going to be 1 am yes so sir. this is pretty interesting for me so right, unique experience and thank right. you for taking out time so late so it, it's 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 all my pleasure so i think believe uh, i would have taken time out any time you would have allowed, allowed me to interview you because i believe everyone in uh, who listens to my podcast deserves this conversation so thank you so thank much thank you so, thank much. You so thank much for this opportunity thank you thank you everyone
and that ladies and gentlemen was mr tarek khan wonderfully explaining to us how exactly did he overcome his fear of public speaking what was his journey like through his law school what was the principle behind the book on the rise that discusses so many inspiring stories we also talked about arbitration and msmes and the interesting relationship that is shared between the two concepts if you like this episode make sure you like share and follow the podcast if you have any suggestions feedbacks make sure you reach out to me and so ladies and gentlemen please take care of yourselves take care of your families stay safe stay strong thank you so much see you next time